Isaiah 40, 29 through 31. And this is the word that the Lord has given us for tonight, I believe, for the season that we're in. I want to continue talking about that spirit of slow down. Everybody say slow down. Everybody say slow down, Pastor. Brother, Brother George is back there doing translation. I think he wants me to slow down tonight. Because he's new, and we don't want to burn out our translators. And uh, so slow down. Sometimes you just got to slow down. And that's kind of the season of, of topic we're talking about. Isaiah 40, 29. He gives power to the weak and those who have no might. He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. All you got to do is wait on the Lord. Wait, somebody say, wait on the Lord. Not just wait, but wait on the Lord. There's no power in waiting. There's great strength in waiting on the Lord. Very specifically, help us, Jesus, to wait on you. And I wanted to talk about this tonight. Time is for us. I know we think time's running out. We've got to hurry, but time is really okay. It's okay to slow down. It's okay to take time. And so I hope to encourage you tonight. Everybody say in Jesus' name. And you can be seated. And thank you so much again for being here at midweek. We, if you're not here tonight, you're watching online. We miss you tonight. And hopefully you'll be able to be back in church soon. And uh, be here this weekend for a great time together. Um, so here we go, talking about slowing down. That doesn't mean be lazy. That doesn't mean be uncertain. It doesn't mean not have initiative. That's not what it means. Some people who are slow, uh, they may say, I'm sorry, I'm just waiting on the Lord. <laughs> Some people that are not doing the will of God might want to quote the scripture out of context and say, well, I'm waiting on the Lord. No, you're, you're waiting, you're waiting, but you might not be waiting on the Lord. And so we have to make sure that we do it the right way. Make sure that we're waiting on the Lord. Um, you know, I mean, it gets serious. Uh, it means getting serious about filtering every decision through God. Waiting to make sure I hear from Him. Because I want to hear from God. I want to know the will of God. And I don't want to be rash or quick. Because I've gotten myself in a lot of trouble being in a hurry. Anybody else gotten yourself in trouble being quick? Yeah, we think that we're in a hurry. We think we have to hurry and we end up making things worse. Operating in fear. And so we've got to slow down. We've got to make sure we're filtering everything through God's mind, God's will. Usually when we're emotional, we're frustrated, we just have to slow down and go into prayer and get our minds checked because we are in a hurry. And before we go into the whole context of trying to slow down and what all that means, there are some things that we cannot wait to do in, in the scriptures. So before we go into the things we've got to slow down on, there are some things we've got to hurry and do right now. There are some things we cannot delay to do. We've got to hurry tonight, and we've got to do them right now. And if it's you, and this is what you're going through, if these are some of the things you're battling, then tonight is your night to get it right, because we can't wait on some things. Some things we can't wait on, like sin. Repent right now. If you're in sin, repent right now. Every Christian needs to get good at repenting right now. As soon as you feel it creeping up, as soon as it starts to come up, right now. I don't care if you're trying to break an addiction and you've been doing it for 30 years. You have to learn how to catch yourself and repent in the moment. Because if you can get good at catching yourself, eventually you'll never do it again. The key is catch yourself quickly. You will never stop having a temptation to do wrong. You'll never have a day where you won't have temptation. But you can get to a place with your walk with God to where you can quickly respond to the temptation. You can quickly fix the things that are happening. You can make a mistake. You can quickly get up, dust yourself off, and in the name of Jesus, I shouldn't have done that. I'm wrong. I want to make it right. Uh, and you'll get to a place where you will very, very few times will you ever really sin again. 
because we have to make sure that when we sin, we know we have an advocate with the Father, and we can go to him right there in the car, driving down the road, on vacation, late at night, early in the morning, no matter when it is, he's an ever-present help in the time of need, and we've got to understand that we never delay. When we're in sin and we've done wrong, we must bow our knees right where we are and get right with God right that moment. Anybody believe that tonight? Because if I'm in sin, everything else goes wrong. I have no favor of God on my life to fix my problems. Sin cannot stay. You cannot linger in sin. Study the Word of God. Measure yourself by the Word of God. And submit to anything that could be sin immediately. If you die with sin in your life, you will not go to heaven. If the rapture takes place and you are living in sin, you will be lost. If any man sin. If any man sin. If any man sin. Not when a man sins. It is an error of doctrine to say that we have to sin. That's not true. We don't have to sin. And the reason why we have sinners among us is because we haven't taught the Word. The Word does not teach us to plan on sinning, and it's going to be covered. It doesn't matter what we do, it's covered. We don't believe that erroneous doctrine here at AFC. We don't believe that we are sinning and still saved. No sin shall enter into heaven. We have been given a formula of power to overcome sin. We are not sinners, ladies and gentlemen, if we are still sinners and he, he died in vain. He, he died in vain. He died and opened up the gateway for us to walk down the, ho- the highway of holiness so we don't have to live in sin. So there are some things we cannot delay, and that is if I know that I am in sin and my spirit's not right, I've got to right now get ready. I've got to right now get right because sin is separation from God. And then the Bible says we've got to die daily. We've got to die daily. What do you do every day, no matter what you're going through? You die daily. Every single day. There's no question. There's no delay. There's no prayer request. You don't have to ask God. Every day you wake up, you make sure your flesh is dead because everything goes wrong in the day if your flesh is not dead. Everything filters wrong. If you're in sin and you've got flesh in your life, then everything goes wrong. There's no reason to wait. You don't wait on that. You've been told to get it fixed right now. James said, be quick to listen and slow to speak. There is no prayer meeting you have to have to obey that scripture. There's no, there's no prayer meeting. You just, you just have to get that to be a part of your DNA, your spiritual DNA. We're supposed to be slow, slow to anger, slow to speak, and quick to listen. That means you don't have to wait on the Lord to tell you to be quiet and listen. God help me. God help us to be able to learn how to be quiet and listen. You learn a whole lot when you're quiet and you're listening. You learn a whole lot when you just get quiet and you listen. It is very hard to be quiet when you're upset. It is very hard when you're offended to be quiet. It is very hard to keep taking more abuse. But if you don't get quiet, you can cause abuse, and then the person that's mad at you has a real reason to be mad at you. And that's why the Bible teaches us that whenever something's going down, be, be slow to speak, quick to listen. You don't have to wait on the Lord for that one. The Bible also says in James that we're supposed to be slow to anger, slow to anger. Just wait, just wait, just wait, long-suffering. We're not to let the sun go down on our wrath, our anger. We're not supposed to let the sun go down with stuff in our hearts. Get on the phone, make a phone call before you go to bed at night and say, listen, I've got this in my heart. It's bubbling up like a bomb. It's about to blow up. And I want you to know that I love you and I will not carry this anymore because this right here is not good for me. It's not good for you. The Bible says do not go to bed angry. It doesn't say stay up all night and fix your problems because then you got to get up and work the next day. So some of y'all married folks out there, you're like, well, the Bible says we got to stay up all night because we're angry. No, the Bible says you just you need to go to bed not angry. It doesn't say to stay up all night and try to fix it. Because then you're going to be tired the next day. Your kids are going to be up at 6 o'clock, ready to go to school, and you're going to be even more angry. You're going to compound your problems. So you don't go to bed fixing everything. You go to bed not angry. So how do you deal with this? How do you make sure you go to bed at night? and not be angry at your spouse or angry at somebody, you've got to sometimes just say, you know what, tonight we can't fix the offense, but I can tell you that I love you, and I believe it's going to be okay. I can tell you that tomorrow when we have time to talk, 
and we sit down and we get coffee. I believe that you and I, with the Holy Ghost, can fix any problem that's between us. And you speak faith, and you speak life, and you speak hope, and that's how you go to bed not angry. You got to get it off your chest. You got to go to prayer and get that out of you because if you delay with anger, it will eventually explode. You know, we're good people. We just hold stuff in. We're good people. You know, really, we're good people. You're good people at AFC. The problem is, is we just hold stuff in and then one day we just blow up. So that's why the Bible tells us, as quick as possible, don't delay. We have to make sure and seek out our offenders and we have to give love, openness, and make sure that we don't hold anything in. The Bible tells us, do not delay before the sun goes down. Make sure that you're not living with anger because it just gets worse over time. So now that we know that, I want to tell you that time is really for us. But time is not for everybody. Waiting on the Lord is when we'll get our strength, okay? We have to wait on the Lord specifically. Because the Bible does not say it's for those who wait shall renew their strength. It says for those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Waiting to pay a bill that is past due will not renew your strength. <laughs> the Bible says just wait. The bill is due, but I want to wait. You know what? Pastor, I don't know if I want to make the decision to pay my bill right now. I'm going to wait and get some counsel from God. <laughs> Keep waiting. The bill collector's coming. You go ahead and wait. Things won't get better if you wait. Yeah, because if you wait on the Lord, he's going to tell you to pay your bill. Lord, I want to wait until you tell me to pay my bill. And the Lord's going to show up and say, son, pay your bill. Thank you, Lord. I just wanted to make sure you were in agreement with me before I did it. Waiting to apologize will not renew your strength. Okay? That's not what it says. Waiting on the Lord. And when you wait on the Lord, you go to the Lord and say, Lord, before I act, I want to ask you what I should do. And the Lord will give you good advice. If you wait and sit at his feet, he will talk to you and say, Brother, sister, thank you for coming to me and waiting on me before you did something. I'm going to give you some advice right now. I want you to make it right right now. Wait on the Lord. Waiting to let Jesus save you will not <laughs> renew your strength. I'm going to wait to get right with God. I'm going to wait a couple weeks. I'm going to wait a couple months. I'll get baptized next year. It doesn't renew your strength to do just waiting. You've got to wait on the Lord. You've got to, you've got to wait to considering His thoughts. You've got to wait with His meditation, with His Word. You've got to wait in prayer. You've got to wait with your fasting. You've got to wait with good counsel. You can wait, but don't just wait. Wait on the Lord. That's the concept. That's the context. It's for those who wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. It's a righteous patience. The context is when life knocks you down and the pressure is applied, patiently waiting and trusting in the Lord will give you what you need to recover all. But we've got to learn to be patient and wait on the Lord to give us a green light of action. Let me give you 2 Peter 3 and 8. Are you ready? But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years. And a thousand years is like one day because God's been around forever that one day is like a thousand years you think you're stressing about time the lord is not stressed about time we're like wow today was a long day and the lord's like you tell me about it i've been around a long time the lord is not slack concerning his promise somebody hear that right now the lord is not slack concerning his promise we're talking about waiting now right we're talking about the, the time. We're talking about a day is like a thousand years. And look at the next verse. The Lord is not loose concerning what he promised would come to pass in your life. See the, see the context there? God is not, God is not slow and not answering your prayer requests. Don't be stressed about time. He is not slack concerning his promise. At, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So the Lord is not loose. The Lord is long-suffering. I want you to watch this. This is really interesting. The fulfillment of the promise requires patience on your part and according to the Scripture, even on God's part. What's that all about? God does not want any to perish or to be lost. So he suffers for a long time and puts up with our stupidity. You think, you think, we think we're the ones all the time waiting on God, but guess what? God's waiting on us. God, God loves us so much, he's, he's over the edge of heaven saying, will they repent today? Maybe today's the day they'll be saved. 
I, I made this creation. I love you. I love you. I love you. And they keep delaying. And I have a promise for them, but they keep delaying. Maybe, maybe I'll today. And every day the Lord has to suffer because he died for us to get to the promise. You know, nothing frustrates God more than watching his children not obey. Watching, watching us walk in circles for 40 years dying on a wilderness when he said you could go in if you want to. Just go in, go in, I believe, go in. So, so we're not the only ones waiting, but the Bible tells us that our God is waiting on us a lot of times, and he's a long-suffering God. Aren't you glad our God waits on us to get our act together? Aren't you, glad, aren't you glad our God waits patiently whenever we come to church and we hear sermon after sermon and prayer meeting after prayer meeting, and yet we still walk out the door the same? And God is like, how long will I have to suffer? Yeah. So glad our God is not quick to judge us. He can wait one more day and one more day and one more day because he has no beginning and there will never be an end. What's one more day if it means we have a better chance of eternal life? To Jesus, he'll wait one more day. He'll give us another day. I'm so glad Jesus gives us one more day. I'm so glad that I should have been dead and you should have been dead probably four years ago, probably eight years ago. But God said, no, give him one more day. Anybody glad you didn't die in your worst place? Anybody glad you didn't die in your worst place? Uh, anybody glad that you weren't repented yet, but he let you live another day and wake up one more day? Aren't you thankful that the car didn't kill you, that the drugs didn't kill you, that the relationship didn't destroy you? Aren't you glad that he's a long-suffering God? Let's, let's don't get mad at Jesus. He also knows how to wait on us. Lord, we just, we just, you're just so slow. And God's like, you're slow. <laughs> don't tell me I'm, don't tell me I'm slow. I can do anything, anytime, anywhere in a moment. I can just snap my finger and it's done. Don't say I'm slow. I've got a promise for you and my promises are not loose. My promises are tight. You know what that means? A loose line takes a while for things to translate through the line. But a tight line, it goes fast. Some of y'all ever went tubing before on the lake? Boy, you don't want to have a loose line. Your promise will hurt you. Some of y'all have never been on the, on, the, on the lake with a tube before, and there's a, and there's a, a, a line is, is loose, and the, the boat takes off, and all of a sudden you're just like, oh, this is so much fun, and it rips your arms off. But there's something about a tight line. Whenever you hold two cups with a string between them, it don't work if you have a loose line. Because things go faster through a tight line. And God's promises are not loose. That means as soon as you get things aligned and things are tight and things are ready, he's going to send that promise. It'll be faster than the speed of light. It'll be at the speed of spirit. Our God wants to move quick in our lives. And we are frustrated, but really, he is frustrated. So let's give God a break tonight. Where are you at, God? God's like, where are you all at? I looked for you this morning at 7 before you left, and I wanted you to pray, but you didn't. My promises are not, are not slack. I will do what I said I would do. So thank God he gives us time. You see, God is our best example of using time for success. Time is not our enemy. Time is not going to hurt us. Time is not against us. Time, while it is running out, in many ways, time is for us because time is simply a tool. Time goes forward. But it can be measured backward. I like how you can measure time backward. I spent this many years doing this many dumb things. I hope I don't spend more years doing that. You don't know yet. So you can't measure time forward. You have to have faith for the future. But you can measure time backward. In fact, if you look at your smartphone, it'll tell you how much time you spent on it. And we, we shun those things. I refuse to know what I've done with my past. Because you know why? It kind of hurts to look at what you did with your past. You've spent 10 hours on Facebook today. No, I, you lying phone, I did not. We don't like to measure time backwards. 
But you know what's good for us to measure time backwards? It's good for us to know what we've been doing because it teaches us lessons. If we don't learn from our past, we are doomed to repeat it. And that's why it's okay for us to use time as a tool. I want you to look at your past and realize that you lived so long without God so that you'll never do it again. Not to condemn you, not to make you feel bad, but, but say this, I missed so many church services over the years, I'm not missing again. I, I, I've missed so many prayer meetings, you think I'm going to stop praying now? No way. Look at my past. I can use my past as a tool to show myself that serving myself hurts me. Time is just a tool. The older you get, the more you ought to know. Anybody agree with that? The older you get, the more you ought to know. That shouldn't be confrontational, should it? That shouldn't be contentious, should it? The older you get, the more you should know. Because you've had a longer life, more experience to, to look back and learn from things. This is why the Bible tells us to look up to our elders, because elders should have more experience than the younger that's the way it should be in the church we should be able to look to our elders and they should be more faithful they should have figured it out they should be more into prayer into fasting why because they've lived so long that they have learned so many things that it is the will of god for gray hair to be the symbol of beauty in the kingdom of god and that's why we have to thank god and spend time with our good healthy seniors because the elders of the church have got great lessons even if they maybe haven't got it all fig figured out let me tell you what our elders can teach us they can teach us things they've done wrong even if they can't tell you they've done it all right they can at least tell you son don't you do what i did we've got to get around our elders i think we would learn a lot more if we would get around our elders and sit down with them and say tell me about your life because i'm pretty sure they could talk to you about some things that they didn't do right or maybe some things they did right. Time is a tool. I like to look back and see what we spent our time on. My iPhone tells me back in the day when we used to play uh, video games, our Xbox would have this feature to tell us how many hours we played a video game. After several years of playing, you get to look at that and see how many days you spent playing a video game. It calculates it by days. Because for every 24 hours you spent on that machine, on that game, it gives you days. And it makes you want to throw up. Thinking about the time you wasted on a dumb video game. I could have gone to Harvard. I could have built a rocket. I could have done some amazing things. But time is a tool. And today... I don't touch them because I realize it was a waste of time. It was good for me to find that out. It was good for me to measure time. You need to know how many days you wasted. It's important. And even though this knowledge can produce great regret, it can produce some guilt, it is the truth, and it can also be very liberating. You've got to own your past. You've got to own it. Quit hiding from it. Quit being like, I don't want to feel the pain. It's that pain that makes you wake up in the morning and change. Some of you are not going to be like your mama because of your mama. Some of you, I hope to God you're not like. I don't know why in the world we got so much abuse being replicated. How can you one minute complain about your raising and do the same thing to your kids the next? I don't understand one bit why that happens in our nation. Everybody's like, well, my dad wasn't there. Why aren't, where are you at? You, you cannot say it didn't happen for me. And then do it to somebody else. You just got to understand what I went through. No, time is a tool. When you look back at what you've gone through, that pain causes you to get up and say, not in my house, no more. I was abused. They're not going to be abused. I, I didn't go. My mama didn't go to church. We're going to church. My dad didn't go to church. We're going to church. Time is a tool. Don't, don't look at your past and get mad and have regrets. Don't do that to yourself. Don't beat yourself up. Don't look at your past and say, I wish I wouldn't have wasted my life. There's no waste. If you end the right way, there's no waste. It doesn't matter what you've been through. End your life the right way. God will honor and bless the last years you've got.
Don't worry about what you've done wrong. Just, just learn from it. Learn from it. So listen, success is not measured in how long you've been right or you've been wrong. Success is measured by what you've learned over the time that you've used. You're not a loser because you made mistakes. You're a loser because you keep making them. Everybody's made mistakes, y'all. Listen, you have the ability to wake up, look in the mirror and go, why do I keep doing this? I keep doing dumb stuff. I, 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 you're not a loser because your past is bad, but I'll tell you who really loses. People that have a bad past and keep doing it. Oh, this Twinkie's going to make me throw up. But who cares? <laughs> and we all sitting there going, why'd you do that? And that's a, that's a funny picture of how we live life. We keep repeating things and then we, we hit ourselves and go, stupid, stupid, stupid. Just stop. I really am talking to somebody right now in the Holy Ghost. That your life is a cycle of replicating the same actions over and over. Hey, we've all been there. I've been there before. But in the name of Jesus, you can break the cycle right now. You, you don't, it doesn't matter if you've lived 60 years in pain and sin and suffering. If one moment you can get up off the ground and say, I'm done, you are a success in this church. You are a hero in the kingdom of God. And, I, and nobody will look at you any other way. We just want to see people turn to God. Turn to God. You know what I just felt? I just felt that we need to celebrate people who've lived years and decades in sin and yet woke up and caught it. Because the longer you live in sin, the harder it is to change. So I applaud you if you've lived a long life of sin and got in church. I applaud you. Because I didn't do that. I don't know what it's like to be steeped with sin for 40 and 50 years and then come to God with all the baggage, all the abuse, all the issues. And so you know what? My hat's off to you tonight. I don't look at a weak person. I don't look down at you. To whom much, to whom much has, sin has come to your life, there's much forgiven. And all I see right now is I see the grace of God in your past. I see the power of God working. I see people that have lived a long life with issues, but not now. Today you're right. Today you're right. And so we honor you because that had to be very hard. I am not afraid of people with baggage. I'm afraid of people that don't want to change. Baggage does not scare God. Baggage will scare me. It doesn't matter what you're going through or how bad your life is. All you've got to do is say, I'm ready to change. And you have no idea how we will look up to you in this church and say, that right there is a Christian. Thank you, Lord. That's why in the church we have to be confessional. Because there's nothing more beautiful than somebody saying, God's still working on me. You know what I love to hear? I love to hear people who've been in church a long time say, God's still working on me. You know why? Because that lets everybody else know underneath them that there's no excuse. We've got to all keep letting God work on us. I love seeing people that are the head of the church say, God's still working on me. Is that the spirit that you want? I always want to grow. I always want to make sure that I'm growing. I want to use the time as a tool. Um, Thomas Edison invented the light bulb, and we're all very thankful for that. Thank you, Thomas, for the stage lighting. Hurts my eyes. But Thomas Edison's teachers told him he was too stupid to learn anything. Thomas Edison's teachers told him he was too stupid to learn anything. He was fired from his first two jobs for being non-productive. Let me give you a little, little tip on genius people. Genius people don't fit in society very well. And some of the greatest people for God don't, don't fit very well in social circles. They don't run with the crowd very good. This man was incredible. Edison made around a thousand unsuccessful attempts at inventing the light bulb before he got it right. You've heard this story before, I'm sure you have, but we cannot look at how many times we've failed. Because with every failed light bulb invention, there's one more thing you learned on how not to do it. Time is for us, ladies and gentlemen. Time is for us. 
I speak it into the atmosphere right now that you are not going to go to hell. You're not going to be lost. Your family won't be broken. Just learn from the failures and start over because this could be the one that turns the lights on. This could be the one that gets it right. we got to live by faith, y'all. This could be the year that we get it right. This could be the year the marriage comes back together. This could be the year the kids take off and launch. This could be it. Don't quit. Keep inventing. Keep pushing. No matter what your teacher said, no matter how they talked about you, forget all of that. This could be your year, AFC. This is why Peter said, God will bring the promise to pass even if we have to wait a long time and suffer because God does not destroy us in a moment of anger. What he knows, time can fix. God gives us time to figure stuff out because God knows sometimes all we need is some time. That's why we got to be careful not to cut people off, write them off, quit on them because time solves a lot of issues. I asked our church to give us one year whenever I had you sign your membership. You know why I asked for a year? Because if you can stay for at least a year, you might stay long enough to get hurt and get helped. If you only stay six months, you might stay long enough to get hurt. Might not have time to heal it. But if you can stay one year, you'll find out that we make mistakes and we also fix mistakes. And you need to find a church where people can be real, make mistakes, and make it right. Because listen, every church has people that make mistakes. But not every church has a ministry of repentance and saying, I'm sorry, and getting things right. That's what you need to see about AFC. You've got to give things time. I'll try to use myself as much as possible because I want to be a leader by example. But every single pastor, every single pastor makes mistakes. But not every single pastor says they make mistakes. Can we agree? Every single minister in the world makes mistakes. But a lot of them try to cover it up. But you know what we need to have in this church? I have to lead you by example. And that means I have to teach people how to overcome their mistakes. Because if we don't, you create a spirit of pharisaicalism in your church where you live a secret life that's not right, but you cover it up with religiosity. And that's how churches have it all right on the outside, but not on the inside. But we can't do that at AFC. We've got way too much hurt and pain in the city, and people are not coming to us looking for religiosity. They're coming looking for healing. Healing. But you know what creates healing? Somebody say time. I encourage people, let's give it some time. Let's give it some time. Paul continues this thought process to the church at Rome in Romans 12 and 10. He says, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in, not lagging in diligence, fervent in our spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. Somebody say patient in tribulation. Continuing steadfastly in prayer. Continuing steadfastly in prayer. Why would it say patient in tribulation? We're supposed to wait even during tribulation. Yes, we're supposed to wait in tribulation. We're supposed to wait in tribulation. We're supposed to wait in tribulation. When you get hurt, you wait. Why do you wait when you're hurt? Because you don't ever want to make a decision when you're hurt. Because what is the natural decision to make when you're hurt? I'm out. I quit. I'm fighting back. None of them are spiritual. And that's why I'm preaching to myself and all of you tonight as your pastor that whenever we are in tribulation, we've got to wait on the Lord. We've got to sit down. We've got to bow down. We've got to go to prayer and get the Bible out, tune everything else out, and say, Lord, I'm going to wait on you. I'm going to wait on you. But yes, it hurts. I'm going to wait on you. Speak to me. Encourage me. Give me the right thoughts, the right mind. I'm going to wait on you. We're going to wait. We're not going to war. Never make decisions during transitions because transitions are unexpected life events that catch us off guard and when they catch us off guard, they make us want to snap. They make us crazy. So we have to wait. Slow down. Somebody say slow down. Slow down. Sudden trouble tempts us to make a sudden reaction that oftentimes will make the initial pain a chronic complication. How many of y'all have ever been there before? 
I know I have. I know there's been times I tried to fix it quick and I made it worse. Can't do it. A quick response to painful moments suggests that you know more than God does. When we don't wait on the Lord, we have pride. And I have been guilty of being in pride. Where I thought I was so smart that I could fix it without God's help. And I know that we've probably all been there before. Because it takes a lot of humility to wait on God. Because here's what happens when you're waiting. You wonder if you're going to mess something up by not hurrying and rushing to fix it. We get scared when we're waiting because we don't know if God's going to come through for us. But his promises are not slack concerning us. He will do what he said he would do. We've got to be careful of a quick response in painful moments because when we're hurting, we have to be careful. I've got some things I want us to think about. How dare I, I'll use myself, would ever assume the worst when God is not slack concerning his promise? How dare I would ever think the Red Sea is my death when God just simply wants to use it to destroy the Egyptians? How dare I would do that? How dare I would judge God so quickly? I would judge the situation so quickly. How dare I be so quick to judge that I didn't even realize that this is not to kill me. It's to kill what's oppressing me. Some of us see the Red Sea as our death, but the Red Sea is not your death. The Red Sea is the death of the enemy. (laughs) But we get in a hurry, and we want to find a way around what God has blocked us. And that's why we have to wait on the Lord. How dare I ever think that the pit of slavery and the prison would ever allow me to be the second place king of Egypt like Joseph? How dare I ever get ahead of God and say, God, I don't want to wait. I'm in a hurry. How dare I ever complain about my wilderness when God is trying to use it as my road to the promised land? I cannot do it. You see, the Bible is clear. God works in mysterious ways. His ways are higher than our ways. A quick judgment response to hurt and confusion simply reveals our inability to trust God. And when we can slow down and we can take it to God, He truly becomes our God. And things will always work out. Trusting God. So I repeat tonight, it's time to slow down and stop imagining the worst case scenarios because that is simply operating in fear. And I have been guilty of trying to be in a hurry because I was afraid. I have been guilty of trying to be in a hurry because I was scared. I've been guilty of trying to make my wife change and do what I wanted because I was scared. Been guilty of things like that. When you know what I should have done? I should have walked away, went to my prayer closet and said, God, I'm so upset at her, but fix me. I'm going to wait on you, God. I'm going to make sure my mind is right. Because right now, I'm good for nothing. (laughs) Right now, in the state I'm in, I can't even think right. So you know what? I'm going to go wait on you and I'm going to get my strength back. You know what we say? I just can't take anymore. You know why you can't take anymore? You don't have any strength. But if you can learn to wait on the Lord... He will renew your strength. You know what? It's actually contrary because we say this. We say, I've got to go work to fix it. God says, you've got to go rest. Get your mind right. Get away from the problem. Go sit down in my, in my word and sit down in prayer and meditation because then I can renew your strength so you can go back into that meeting and have the right mindset, the right anointing to fix that massive problem. The bigger the problem, the more you've got to wait. The bigger the problem, the more you got to wait. Are you facing a big problem right now? You've got to wait on the Lord. He will renew you. He will give you a word. So stop imagining the worst outcomes and stop being the boss of your life. We have a King of kings and a Lord of lords. It's Jesus that is in charge of us. And when we pray, we pray this, God, not my will be done, but thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if it's your will to do this and I don't like it, then that's fine. I'm going to wait on you and watch what happens. Because I refuse to believe that this Red Sea is my dead end and my death. I will look and see this thing as some hope. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I'm going to trust you. That you're going to use this thing for good and not for evil. We never make decisions during traumatic times. So time is a safety net for Christians. I remember my wife told me that she was uh, pregnant with Aspen, our 
our third child, and uh, I quickly responded the wrong way. I did, I did not want a third child because we were both cystic fibrosis carriers, and the doctors told us there was a chance that our kids, our kid could have cystic fibrosis, which is a horrible disease or a breathing issue on the lungs. And immediately when she told me, I was afraid. Because the first thing I thought was, great, we're going to have a kid that's probably going to be sick its whole life or potentially die. And she was videoing me because she thought I would go, babe, this is great. Ah, put it on Facebook. But instead, I was like, what are you, what? Did you take your pill? What is, what's happening? No, I wasn't happy. I was very upset. I was very frustrated because I was afraid. I didn't think clearly. My mind was cloudy. And you know what she did? She went over to the camera. She got the phone, picked it up, and she deleted the video. <laughs> and that's when I figured out, number one, she was videoing. <laughs> and that's number two where I figured out I was being a jerk. Because she was trying to make me happy. Ended up being that this was a boy. And of course, I changed my tune real fast when I found out that it's our son. And I found out that he wasn't a cystic fibrosis child. God took care of it. But in that moment, I was afraid. And I reacted the wrong way because I was scared of an eventual outcome that may never even happen. And it's nothing but a lie from the devil. And instead of waiting on the Lord, we get in a hurry to respond. Instead of sitting down in prayer, getting all the facts, finding out all the details, and just trusting Him, everything worked out fine. But I didn't like waiting. Don't like waiting. And as I get older, and I know maybe you can agree with me as you get older, I think we're all getting a little, little smarter that it's better sometimes to wait and let things play out. The gift of age is that you don't get distressed about things. When Ukraine was happening, I had to call my dad and say, Dad, okay, you've been through some stuff, all right? Uh, tell me, are we going to die? Is there going to be a nuclear war? Come on, Dad. You've got to encourage your son. You've seen some stuff. I don't know about all this stuff. I, I, think, I think it's going to go crazy. And Dad said, son, this is just another day in the world. He said, there's always been this. There will always be this. He said, I've lived through it. My, uh, when I was young, there was always fear. There was always things happening. He said, this is just life. But you know what? That, that's the age and experience in somebody that says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. I've lived a long life and God's been good the whole time. I've lived a long life and I've been scared and God's come through. So you know what? I'm not going to be afraid anymore because I figured it out. After all the trials and hell, God still just keeps coming through for us. How many of y'all figured it out that somehow it just works out? I know it was scary and it seemed like it wouldn't work, but how many of you believe now that God's going to work it out? You know what every young adult in this place needs to have? You need to have somebody over the age of 16 in your life that can tell you, I've been through so much and God's been faithful. Everybody wants to have mentors your own age. Don't even know how to balance their checkbook and trying to mentor you through life. Find somebody that has experienced some things. Find somebody in the church that's sitting at home retired that's like, what's my ministry? I know the ministry of the elders of the church. That is to comfort those that are younger, that are afraid that it won't work out. Go ask the halls what it's like to live by faith all these years. And they'll tell you, God's been good. God's been faithful. I thought it wouldn't work either, but God has kept his hand on us. And as we get older, we just, we understand it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. God is faithful. Isn't that right, Brother Hall, Sister Hall? It's going to be all right. There are people that obviously need to be told things right now because they're in dire danger of backsliding and being lost. But you know what? As a pastor, I, I pause sometimes. I hesitate as long as I can because I want to make sure that I'm seeing the truth. I want to make sure that, that they're going to wake up one day maybe and turn around. I want to give God every opportunity to work through life and work ways. I don't, I don't want to pick every flaw apart that I find. I want to wait a little bit. I want to make sure God is working because sometimes we get ahead of things and we get in the middle of stuff and sometimes it's going to be okay and we get scared. 
I admit when people miss church, I get a little scared. And sometimes I text you and say, where were you? And you might get scared too. <laughs> you know why you're scared? Because I'm scared. It's awkward for everybody. I don't, want, I don't want to do that. I really, you know what I want? I want God just as an angel and just be like, can you please go to church next weekend? Let pastor know that everything's okay. I don't want to do that, but sometimes we get in a hurry because we're scared. But God, I want to have a patience that I can trust your process and not always have to find myself in the middle of things so that you can work. But it's hard to do it. It's hard to do it, and the root of it is pride. Everybody say pride. It can be an arrogance of not knowing our own limitations. And sometimes we feel like we're the judge. We sometimes we feel like that we're all-knowing. We don't give God a chance to work it out, and we become gods in our own eyes because we hate the fact that we're having to wait on God to fix things. God, help us to slow down and let you work. I wonder what God could do in our lives if we would back away and say, God, you work. I wonder what kind of blessings God would unfold in our lives, our families, and our finances if we would say, okay, okay, I have messed things up for too long. I'm going to wait on the Lord. What are you going to do? I don't know yet. I'm waiting on God. Yeah, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. I'm going to get the word out, and I'm going to make sure I'm in church because I don't, when you don't know what to do, you wait. You wait. And you seek his face, and he will work things out. He works it out. God, help us to be humble. Help us to humble ourselves and to confess that we are not the righteous judge and we don't know everything. It is the hardest thing in the world for us as Americans with the internet at our disposal to confess that we don't know everything. That we are not the righteous judge. So as I close tonight, I am so glad Paul did not just, just say be patient in tribulation. I'm so thankful that he said while you're waiting in your pain, Paul said, here's what you do when you're waiting. You want to know what to do when you're waiting? Here you go. Paul said, be kind to others with brotherly love. This is the recipe for waiting. Because while you're waiting on what to do next, Paul said, here's what you do while you're waiting. He said, you be kind to others with brotherly love. Because you feel like slapping somebody. <laughs> Don't give in. Don't give in. <laughs> Paul said, whenever you are in the middle of a trial and tribulation, he said, honor by putting others first. You got to protect yourself when you're waiting in trouble. Because most of our problems come when we're going through a storm. And you know what we do? We make them worse. Paul said, be diligent or faithful in your responsibilities. He said, don't quit because you're hurt. He said, stay faithful. What do you do whenever you're going through a tough time? You just keep getting up in the morning. You keep going forward, marching with Jesus. Because it will work out in time. Trust our God. He will fix it. Let me, let me ask you a question. Do you believe God can do anything? No, do you really believe it? Do you believe God can fix your problems? So what are you doing? What am I doing? If you really believe God could fix it and God could speak to the other person about you, give it some time. You know what you do? You know what you want to conflict resolution 101. You ready? Brotherly love, honor by putting others first, be faithful no matter what you're going through. Let's keep going. Be fervent in your spirit, Paul said. Push through the thoughts of giving up and serving the Lord, of serving the Lord. Be fervent in your spirit. Keep your right spirit no matter what you're going through. Rejoice. Why? Because there's hope, y'all. There's hope. You got to believe this. As long as there's breath in your body, there's hope for things to change. Stop prophesying doom and gloom because it looks bad. The Red Sea can be split. You can go through the thing that seems like it can't be moved. This is real talk tonight. This is who we are. We're Christians. And our God is powerful. And God can fix anything. And even when God doesn't fix it, He's still using it for your good. Because listen, 
Sometimes God is working for your good when he's not fixing your problems. Let me quote Joseph for a second. He did not fix it. It got worse. Sometimes when God doesn't fix it, he's fixing it. You got to trust him. And Paul said, pray steadfastly. So I felt the Lord give our, our church a word for us. And let me give it to you here tonight before we dismiss. Acts 27, Paul was on a ship. He was a prisoner. And the centurion was in charge of the, the ship. Paul, being a prisoner, speaks up and he warns the centurion about impending doom. And he says, guys, this is not good. Um, ship's going down. Ship's going down. It's not good. That's exactly what they did as soon as they found out the ship was going down. They began to scream, and they got worried. And, uh, man, sometimes you just got to be smooth like Chris Rock, you know? Everybody else is talking about it in their pulpits. Why can't I? I don't want to talk about Will Smith. I want to talk about Chris Rock. Because you know what? Some of us Christians need to take a dose of Chris Rock. I watched a body language expert say that his hands behind his back was showing that that's dignity and royalty. And if you look at some of the princes in Europe, when they take their family photos, their hands are behind their back because it shows openness. He was a professional at being on the stage under pressure. He had trained himself to handle things. He doesn't even have the Holy Ghost. I think, I think we can do this, y'all. I think we can wait and not react. You know what? We're on a stage too. Because the Bible says we're the, light of the, we're the light of the world. The Bible says we're a city set on a hill. The Bible says we're salt and light and everybody's looking at us. We're epistles read and known among all men. We are on a stage and the whole world is watching us and we get slapped every day. We get slapped in the church all the time. And this is a response of us. Put your hands behind your back, take another hit, and stay calm. Because God is going to use it for your good. And the last thing I'll say about that is they're going to cancel Will Smith and promote Chris Rock. What do you want to be? Canceled or promoted? So how do you get promoted? Take the hit and keep on going. Take the hit and keep on going. People will respect you when you can publicly take the hit and keep on going. So, Paul is, Paul is on the ship, and Paul is not a professional sailor. He's just a man of God. Didn't have any, you know, didn't have a doctorate degree. He wasn't anybody fancy. He was just a man of God. I mean, he was very learned in the law, but it wasn't like he knew how to do everything. He wasn't this master of all things in life. He was very studious in the Word of God. He's on a boat and in the middle of a storm, and he knows what's going to happen. In verse, verse 10 of chapter 27, it says, Men, I perceive this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of cargo and ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things that's spoken by Paul. Paul was right. The professionals were wrong. Paul was right. The professionals were wrong. And we've got to make up our mind whose voice we're going to listen to in the last days. Because I am, I am about done, and I think you're probably about done with all the news media telling us what we need to believe. Doctors and scientists and smart people abound, and nobody knows what they're talking about. And this little old, some call him a barely could see bald preacher, according to history, knew more about storms than the captain of the ship. 
Let me just tell you, in the kingdom of God, we don't know everything about ships. We don't know everything about rockets. We don't know everything about life. But when we hear from God, you can mark it down. I'd rather be spiritual than smart any day. I'd rather be close to God any day. And that's why I encourage you, please study your Bible more than any other book. Please make sure you know the Word of God over any other thing in life. Because there is no substitute for walking with God and knowing His voice. In the times of the storm, I don't want to be smart. I want to know God's voice. You got to choose if you're going to listen to Paul or the ship captain. Paul or professionals. Because the professionals know more about sailing, but the church knows more about surviving. We know how to get through storms like nobody's business. God can tell you which bucket's going to float and which one to hold on. You can't get that with man's wisdom. You get that by saying, Lord, what'd you say? I want to wait on the Lord. I want to know his voice. I want to be close to him. I want to hear from you, Jesus. This is no hour to back down, no hour to make a poor decision. This is no hour. The Lord's coming back soon. We have got to bind together now more than ever in the last day and make sure that we are hearing from God and make sure that we're right with God and make sure our spirits are right with God. Because I can assure you, whatever you're worried about right now, it's not greater than staying faithful to Jesus Christ. Whatever you're fearful about right now, Jesus will fix whatever is coming against you. He is faithful, he has promised, and we will survive. We will make it to the storms of life. But not with man's wisdom, not with man's tools, but by waiting on the Lord. Listen, y'all. In the last days, we're all going to be trying to look on the internet on how to live through crazy times. And we're going to try to go get beans and put them in five-gallon buckets and put them underneath our bed. And we're going to try to get bottles of water. And we're going to try to, to plant cornfields. And we're going to try to live. And we're going to try to be as smart as we can. But, but listen, don't waste your time trying to be a professional and miss having to hear from God. There is not going to be anyone smart enough to survive the last days. But we can... If we can wait on the Lord, though, he'll work everything out. He'll fix everything we're fighting right now. But God, give us a spirit of patience and slow down. Slow down. Everybody say, slow down. Thank you, Lord. Can we stand to our feet tonight as we dismiss with prayer? Let's pray right now. God, help me, help me, God, to slow down. I just want God's Spirit to help us right now. Ah, we, 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 are, we are living in a rat race. We're living in a very busy society, trying to fill our calendars up. And I just want a peace to come over us right now, to stop stressing, to stop worrying, because we think we've got to intervene, and we've got to interject, we've got to get things done, we've got to hurry and rush. No, we don't. It's time to go into a season of slow down. It's time to go into a season of hear from God. I think it'd be good for every one of you, every one of us, to find our place in prayer and fasting, slowing down and saying, you know what, God, I'm not going to move until you tell me what to do because I've gotten myself in so much trouble. I'm going to give you some time to work things out. I'm going to give you some time to work things out. I'm going to give you some time to fix it, God. Oh, God, give us restraining power. Because we're always trying to come and, and, and fix stuff. But God's like, won't you let me work a little bit? Stop being afraid. And I want to pray over you right now in the name of Jesus to not be afraid. To not be afraid of what you're going through right now. Stop imagining the worst outcome. Stop imagining how things will fall apart. Uh, and just go to the Lord and say, I am weak and I'm confused and I am hurt. Uh, but I'm going to wait on the Lord and I'm going to get my strength back uh, to be able to keep going on this race uh, and keep going down this battle in the name of Jesus. Uh, right now, God, I pray against fear that's trying to attack us in the last days. Uh, I pray for peace to come over our church right now, Lord. Help us to to be able to take the hits and keep on rolling 
Help us to be able to be, be slow to speak, slow to anger, slow to react, God. Help me, God, as the pastor of the church. Give me a patience about me. God, give me a wisdom about me. God, give me a sweet spirit about me that says God's got this. I know it looks scary sometimes, but, but God's got this. God's got your family. God's got your marriage. God's got your finances. Just learn to wait on the Lord. God's got our church. Let's just wait on the Lord. Let's don't be in a hurry. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Let that word resonate with all of us tonight, God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I just want you to just kind of Take a minute, let those weights fall off your shoulders because I feel like right now there are a lot of pressures and weights on your shoulders. Some of you, your blood pressure is not high because of anything health-related. I have literally seen my blood pressure go up under stress. I've literally watched it go up under the stress of life. And I have seen after a prayer meeting my blood pressure come down. You need to release some things right now in the Holy Ghost because you are hurting yourself and fear is attacking you. But right now, let peace come over your mind right now. I'm speaking to you prophetically. It's going to work out if you'll just wait on the Lord. Strength will return. It will come back to your house in the name of Jesus. Let's let God work. Let's let his angels be dispatched. Let's let God do something. Let's not grab a hold of this thing too fast. Get ahead of God. Mess things up. God, give our church a spirit of humility. Will, will you just hang with me for another minute? God, give us a spirit of humility in the last days where we're all under such great attack and pressure. I, I guarantee you, whatever you're facing right now, if you will face it with humility, the anointing and favor of God will go with you. For when we are weak, we are strong. We're made strong through Christ Jesus. When we walk in humility, God fights our battles. Anybody else want to make your mind up right now? I'm done fighting my own battles. I'm going to walk in humility so that God can fight and speak. So that God can war for me. Because when he fights, he's the righteous judge. He knows what everybody needs. He knows how to fix every situation. So Lord, I want to learn to wait on you in humility. Thank you, God. I have a challenge for you, AFC. I have a challenge. For the next 30 days, I want you to face your problems with humility. Face your problems with humility. My boss won't give me a raise. Honor your boss for 30 days and give humility. In the name of Jesus. Marriage won't fix. Honor your spouse with humility and softness. And watch what God will do. Someone at the church that you have a rift with, approach them in humility. Watch what God will do. Listen, you want the power of God to be with you whenever you talk to somebody? Uh, go in humility. We've all been guilty of trying to fix people. Have, has anybody else figured out you can't fix people? But you know who can? Yeah. He or whoever she who is the most humble among us has the greatest voice in the church. God, I want to I want to be humble. I want to be humble. And man, it's hard. <laughs> it's tough. <laughs> Thank you for being honest. <laughs> not everybody's laughing. Some are like, "Nope, I'm not doing it." <laughs> One more time, can we love Jesus before we leave tonight? Thank you, God. 30-day challenge, I'm taking my greatest enemy, my greatest stress, and I'm going to walk in humility with tears in my eyes and softness, and the Lord will walk with me and fight my battles. You want the host of angels to walk with you? Do you want the army, the army of God to walk with you? Then do not fight what only God can fix. Do not fight what only God can fix. Take time. He'll fix the greatest in the kingdom. 
He will fix the greatest among us. Give God a chance in humility. In Jesus' name. You know what I want at AFC? I want to make sure that I'm approachable as a pastor. And let, me, let me make you a promise, okay? As best as I can as a human, if you ever need to talk to me, if you will come to me in humility, I promise you that God will be for you. And even me as a man of God has nothing on the power of God. I confess to you, if you will always address concerns with humility, you will find that God's anointing will touch my heart. And you will have an audience. You will have a softness. And that is also my prayer, to approach people with humility. Let that be the spirit of our church, because listen, we can't stop offenses and we can't stop problems and conflict, but we can approach our conflicts with humility. We can do it. There are people in this church that you want to go badly and fix something that happened to you, but you don't know how to do it because you don't want it to get worse. You don't have to say amen. It happens at every church. But you know how we're going to fix this? You know how you're going to fix it? You're going to go to them in humility like the Bible says. And you're going you're to do it the right way. Watch what God does. Watch what God does. It may take a while. It may not be perfect, but watch what God does. Because you know what? You can't keep holding it in, ladies and gentlemen. You can't keep holding it in. You have to, you have to say something. You've got to encourage your friends to say something. You have to. And if we will be a humble people and a confessional people, we'll create an atmosphere of confession that people won't mind talking to each other. And it won't blow up and it won't be bad and there won't be any hurt feelings, but it'll be healthy. You'll have a new respect. There'll be a new love. You ever heard that saying, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger? It's opposite in the kingdom of God. Whatever kills you makes you stronger. Whatever kills your flesh makes you stronger. So whatever's happening to you right now, let it kill your flesh and your pride. It will make your spirit stronger. 30-day challenge. 30-day challenge. Fix it. Talk about it. Talk about it. Talk about it in humility. Get it fixed. Get it resolved. Because we've got revival to have. Thank you, Lord. You're good to us. Everybody say yes. yes. Okay, now we got to go do it. You can't just come cry your way through this one. Got to go do it. I got to go do it. You got to go do it because this is the will of God for us. And God's going to bless us and God's going to anoint us and God's going to open up financial blessings on us. God's going to bless some of you financially because you're going to have humility come over you. God's going to promote you. Listen to me right now. Some of you are not promoted at your job because you don't have humility. God's going to open up the windows of financial blessing on some of you if you will have humility at your job. And I can't wait to hear the reports of blessings that are coming some of your way. Because Christians are blessed people, but we are not fighters. We are humble people. Isn't that right, Brother Andrew? The man who lives humble at his job and gets bragged about by his bosses. The man who gets promotions because he's not a fighter. He's a team player. He has an humble spirit. He has humility. And I hear all the time that Brother Andrew's getting promoted at his job. That's the spirit that I want. Brother Andrew, that's the spirit that I want. That's what I want. Humility. All right, I kept you. I kept you over 9 o'clock. I love you so much. I hope that you love us. We are looking forward to this weekend. Please bring somebody with you. Let's have a great time dismissing Jesus' name, all right? All right, 30-day challenge. Let's do this. We got this. It's going to happen. Jesus' name. Shake hands, be friendly, love each other in Jesus' name.